What is going on, everybody? It is a beautiful Thursday afternoon, May 20th, 2021. I'm your host, Russell Goddard. This is Breaking the Goal Line Podcast. And uh, welcome back. Thanks for stopping by. Appreciate everybody listening. Lot, lot to get into today. Uh, this is the first part of the week. As you can probably hear, my voice is a little bit hoarse. Uh, I just got off the plane. Uh, I was in Orlando for a little vacation. A couple good things in Orlando to do is play golf, drink, go to Disney World, have good weather. I did three out of the four. Didn't go to Disney. Played golf. Drank a lot. Voice a little, voice a little, little harsh. Uh, but I'm gonna power, power through it because we're here talking football and uh, lots to go into. We're gonna talk a little Urban Meyer. Is he a little over his head? Maybe a little more schedule talk. A uh, little college football today. A little college football. We're getting real close. Uh, a lot of big things. <clears throat> Excuse me. I might be doing that a lot today. A lot of big things happening. Pac-12 is what we're going to be talking about today. I'm excited what's to the future of Pac-12. And let's just dive in it. But before we do, go ahead and hit that subscribe for me. If you can, if you haven't, please do. If you have, thank you so much. And as always, if you listen on Apple iTunes, because that's the only place to leave a review, I guess, go ahead and leave me a review. Much appreciated. As always, guys, thank you. Let's get it. Okay, so let's dive in a little college football first. It's what I want to start the show with because it's for me, it's very exciting news. It's very exciting news because the future looks bright because of this news. Now, this news did happen a little while ago. Uh, happened last week, but obviously I was on a little vacation, so I wasn't able to talk about it early in the week. So I want to talk about it now and I've been holding it in this whole time. So as somebody who was born and raised on the West Coast, Phoenix, Arizona, you know, I grew up, I grew up a big Pac-12 fan. You know, as someone that loves Arizona State and someone that actually has family ties in Arizona State, you know, Pac-12, it was huge for me. You know, I, I loved watching the Pac-12. I got all those games. Look, when I, when, when I was younger growing up, you know, we didn't have this direct TV and all this stuff that's so big now where you can watch every single college game. So I only got my market games. Well, my market games is Arizona, Arizona State, UCLA, Cal, Stanford, Pac-12, those are my mark. Those were my market games. Now I can watch any game. Anybody can, right? Now, <clears throat> it comes on a little later over here. <clears throat> Bear with me today. Bear with me. But I'm going to power through it, guys. I'm going to power through it. It comes on a little later over here, so a lot of people don't... A lot of East Coast, you know, when if, it, if it's an 8 o'clock, you know, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, kickoff, tip-off, whatever it is out here, well, I mean, that's damn near midnight over on the East Coast, depending on the time of the year. But when I was growing up, it didn't matter what time a UCLA, uh, USC game came on because they were they were awesome. They were they were a great watch. All the the entire country wanted to watch Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart, Pete Carroll. The entire country wanted to watch all these Pac-12 teams go around and be dominant. I mean, man, when I was growing up, we had at least one team. Now it was SC, Cal. You know, Stanford was really trying to come back. Arizona there for a while, not not ASU, but U of A was there for a while, had a really good program. ASU was pumping out some players. We were good across the board in the Pac-10. Rose Bowl after Rose Bowl, year after year, was consistently great. We were we had we had teams for national championships. You know, it was the BCS system back then, so it, it was a little skewed, but hey, it was awesome. We we were a dominant, dominant conference. I mean, USC was on top. UCLA was dominating. Stanford was uh, was reemerging as a as a great program. And I'm not just talking to football here. I mean, the Pac-12 
was also just dominating the NCAA tournament. They, they, they were dominating football, basketball, baseball. I mean, some of the some of the best. I mean, it, when I was a kid, from I think like 2003 to maybe like 2008, 2009, it seemed like every single you know national champ college college baseball national championship winner was from the Pac-12. Nowadays, I mean, we still have some baseball a little bit. West Coast, you know, always gonna have a little baseball over here. But but for the past about ten years, I don't know. Yeah, maybe about ten years. The Pac-12 has been a complete joke. I mean, just a laughing stock to the rest of the country. I talk to people all the time that, honestly, they don't even consider the Pac-12 to be a Power 5, to be a part of Power 5 anymore. And, and it, honestly, as a fan, I don't even know if I do sometimes either. You know, I watch the ACC, I'm watching the SEC, I'm watching the Big 12, I'm watching the Big 10, and it, it just doesn't feel... How the Pac-12 does, which is which, which sucks because to me, man, Pac-12 football, Pac-12 sports in general is so much fun, so much fun. But you have all these West Coast kids now, kids that grow up in California, Arizona, Colorado, Utah, Nevada, Seattle, uh, Washington, so on and so forth. They're not staying out here. They're going to the ACC schools, to the SEC schools, to the Big Ten schools. They don't want to play in this conference anymore. A big reason for just the Pac-12 just being a shit show over the past decade plus is because of former, now former commissioner, Larry Scott, who was fired. Now this news came out a while ago that Larry Scott was going to be fired. It wasn't 100% yet. They didn't They didn't say they were going to do a replacement, uh, but I was... Pretty sure he was going to be on the way out because he has to be on the way out. Now, here's the little thing about the West Coast. We're just different out here. And I've talked about this before on the pod. We're different. We're more laid back in a way. But also out here, especially university-wise, it's 100% run by the academic elites. The academic elites are running the show. You know, these schools, UCLA, Cal, Stanford, SC, you know, they're some of the hardest universities to get in in the country. I think it was a couple years ago, Cal, I think Cal was like in the in the top two percentile of hardest schools in this country to get into. UCLA, that's no joke of a school. Stanford, well, I mean, I think Stanford speaks for itself. The The, the academic elites, those are the ones that are running these universities. Those are the ones that's running the Pac-12. We don't have the same support as the SEC does out here. We don't. We don't have the same support as the Big 12 does or the Big 10. Those, those conferences push football they push basketball they push their sports out here it's more of an academic thing now look i'm always going to be the first person that says student athlete and there's a reason why student is first because if you think about it i mean what what's the percentages of these kids going from college football to the nfl i mean you have what 264 uh d1 just d1 schools i actually think it might be more now I mean, and, and so, and each each team has I don't know, 120 kids on their roster. How many how many how many kids get drafted every year? A percentile is probably I mean, eight less than eight percent. Less than eight percent of the kids that play college football through those four through their four years or three years will make it in the NFL. So student athlete is first because you need to be a student. But at the same time, a commissioner like a Larry Scott, who is a big reason. Why the Pac-12 has just dramatically fallen off. And it's clear he had no idea what he was doing. He made bad TV deal after bad TV deal. You know that Pac-12 is the only 
the only Power 5 conference that's not on DirecTV. DirecTV is the number one cable company in this country, and we are not on it. I say we because I'm, I'm considering myself a Pac-12 fan. I consider myself a, a Pac-12 fan like I consider myself an NFL fan. Do I root for one team more than another? Yeah, but I root for the Pac-12 as a whole. So we. And, and when Larry made these TV deals, if you go and look at the TV deal, the Pac-12 is not showing football, basketball, or baseball. They're showing water polo and tennis. That's that's the majority of it. It's it's Olympic sports. The package literally has majority of what will be shown on the Pac-12 will be Olympic sports. When you sign a TV deal, when you sign any any deal like that, for you to not have your number one and number two highest revenue stream not be in the top five of what you're going to show on that channel is not only bad business, it's absolutely outrageously stupid. Just stupid. How in anybody's right mind, all right, when you're doing college athletics for for this huge TV deals, you don't have your number one and number two revenue source as your top priority. Larry Scott did not make it his top priority. Larry Scott's top priority was lacrosse, and it was water polo, and it was track and field, and it was wrestling. Look, I'm not saying that those sports don't matter. I love those sports. And if, I, and, and if I'm lucky enough to have kids one day, and they're, they're lucky enough to have, be, you know, have way more athleticism than I could possibly ever imagine to play college athletics, which they probably won't, but hey, fingers crossed, I got some athletes in my family. I'm not really one of them, but you know, hey, catch me on the court at LA Fitness and I might, I might, I might be able to shoot a little bit on you, but that's not, you know, LA Fitness is not college athletics here. And if one of them play uh, hockey, golf, tennis, water polo, I'm going to go out and I'm going to support them and it's going to be great. But I'm also going to know that the reason that my son or daughter is able to get an entire duffel bag with shoes, hoodies, shirts, uh, shorts, maybe headphones, hats, all this stuff, that they're able to take these team bus rides uh, that they don't have to pay for, that they're able to have these meals before and after their competitions. The school's able to pay for that because of football, because of basketball, mostly because of football. You know, there's there's a few few universities that maybe basketball kind of trumps them. You're, those universities you're kind of looking at like Duke, you know, North Carolina, you know, place, Wake Forest, places like that. But in almost everywhere else, football is your revenue stream. Football pays for those other sports because of the amount of money that college football brings in one university will pay for that in, for the that university's sports everything else it will pay for it for that whole year it's an insane amount of money insane amount of money that college football makes and so you are you are now as the commissioner you, you're the Pac-12 you're in a Power 5 conference and you decide that you want to sign a TV deal that's not even going to make that a top 5 of what you're going to show it's absolutely ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But hey, good news. Larry Scott is no longer the commissioner for the Pac-12, and I couldn't be happier. Could not be happier. And then I'm thinking, well, man, who are they, they going to get? Who could they hire? Because like I'm saying, these academic elites, these are the ones that have the stranglehold on really who, who the Pac-12 hires. But I think even they know, because they are academic elites, they're not stupid. They're smart. Now, should they have let Larry Scott go five years ago? 
Yes, they should have. But the Pac-12 has always been a little, you know, pussy footing. They always like, they, they kind of like to follow, you know, which is weird because the West Coast, we lead the way in a lot of things. That's why Silicon Valley's here, you know, but the Pac-12 just kind of pussyfoots around sometimes. And they pussyfooted around with Larry Scott and they left him on for too long. And I thought they were just going to bring in someone kind of like Larry Scott again. I was wrong. I love the hire. Now, I don't want to butcher his name. Sounds like a Russian mobster. But uh, the new commissioner of the Pac-12 is George Klevaklov. I don't know if I'm saying that right. But if I am, it's a badass last name. Oh, and so you ask, Russ, what is George Klevaklov's qualifications to be the new Pac-12 commissioner? Well, that's what I asked myself as well. So I looked him up last week and watched his uh, press conference interview. Well, George Klevaklov, for the past decade has been the president of entertainment and sports operation at the MGM Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, Nevada. The MGM, the, the, the epicenter of sports gambling. This is where he's coming from. So we are going to have a Russian mobster who has worked in Vegas with other mobsters be the Pac-12's new commissioner. Oh, that sounds... That's just sad. I, I'm excited. How are you not excited? If anybody knows how to how to how to run a business, if anybody knows how to get fans in the stands, how to make things better, how to make more entertainment, wouldn't it be a president of entertainment and sports operations in Las Vegas? I would lean heavy. Yes. You know what else George knows? A lot about gambling. What's legal now? Gambling. What's the second highest thing to gamble on in this country? College football. What's number one? The NFL. George knows that. I'm sure Cleva Clough knows it. Well, I know he knows it because in his press conference, he said we're going to bring the Pac-12 back to relevancy because he knows and this entire country knows. Everybody that's listening right now, whether you're a Pac-12 fan, whether your team is in the Big Ten, the Big 12, you think the Pac-12 is a joke. You, you do. You think it's a joke, just like I do, because it, it, it is. And so does everybody else. And this guy, I think he knows a little thing or two about business. I think he's going to know a little thing or two about being able to wiggle out of a TV deal. Because if he goes to, you know, the TV deal, and I think I think the Pac-12 still has three or four years left on this bullshit TV deal that Larry Scott signed for us. Well, you know, maybe he could start just cutting people's fingers off until he starts getting his way. I mean, I'm sure he probably did that once or twice in Vegas. I mean, come on. I love it. I, I'm very excited because it just, it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like we don't have anybody that knows what they're doing. It feels like we have somebody that's hopefully, now this is hopefully, this is what it feels like, Lead, start leading the Pac-12 in the right direction again. Start getting this train moving. You know, showing, getting, you need to get, you need to get these five stars and four stars that are from the West Coast to go to West Coast teams. I'm sick of the Najee Harris's of the world going to Alabama. Now look, don't get me wrong. If I was 6'2", 215 pounds, and I ran a 4-5 flat and was able to catch a ball and do that stuff that Najee Harris can do, I'd probably look to go to the best program in the country as well. But you, you have some nostalgia from where you grew up. Najee Harris is from California. Najee Harris grew up in, uh, I think he grew up like 30 minutes outside of Sacramento, 30 minutes south of Sacramento. So he's right in the heart of everything Pac-12. California. Arizona, Colorado, Utah, Washington. He's in the heart of all of that. You know, he, he talked about you know, his favorite team growing up was 
USC. He also lo- actually liked the University of Sacramento. Why wouldn't he? He's right there. He, 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 he in, in college, it was between Stanford. He was going to go to Stanford. Stanford is one of the teams he was going to choose. He ended up choosing Alabama. I probably would too. But I say that, but if I have an offer from ASU as a lifelong fan, die, like just loved to go to their games. They brought me joy as a kid. Arizona State football is one of the reasons why I am talking to you in this microphone right now and I'm able to do what I do. So it's, it's going to make me think. I'm going to want to stay here. My family's here. His family's here. But all these kids are leaving the West Coast. And I hope Klevikloff, and I really hope I'm pronouncing that right, can come in here and he's going to get these kids to stay because we need to get our programs back to what they were. And we need to get some of these academic elites to give us a little wiggle room because we need to start kicking ass again, baby, and taking names. The Pac-12 needs to become a staple again. Because if not, fuck it. Just move them to the F- to, to the fucking lower one. Division 2. FCS. All the schools. Don't even show them in the Power 5 anymore. Can't make the playoffs. Just do a whole other playoff thing. That way we can at least have a chance to say we had a good season. When right now we say we had a good season and we won seven games. I'm, I'm excited for the Pac-12's future. Today, right now, May 20th, 2021. I am very excited for the Pac-12's future. Okay, so let's get into a little bit of rookie mini camps that happened over last weekend and this week. Now, I'm sure everyone that's listening to this is a football fan because, well, if you're not a football fan, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast. So I'm sure if you are a football fan, NFL fan, that you from hearing all these little rumblings about how the Aaron Rodgers and the Tom Brady's and all these veterans of the world, they don't want to they don't want to uh, participate in mini camps. And I get that. And I get that. But they, the, them and the union for the NFL were so high and they were telling people, don't go to your mini camp. We don't need it. You don't have to have it. This is ridiculous. You don't need to do this. Well, these rookies, the second year and the third year's players, fourth, fifth, sixth year players, guys that are second team or third team screens, guys that are on special teams, guys that are still trying to make and make their way in the league, trying to get that contract, trying to get a starting job, trying to solidify a position. Well, they need this. And so they pretty much told everybody to fuck off. They told the union to go to, to go eat it. They told Aaron Rodgers that he can go do whatever he wants with his girlfriend in Malibu right now. They don't care because they're going to come out here and work. And that's what happened. That is what happened. Uh, and I love it. I love that because, look, Aaron Rodgers doesn't need to grind. Tom Brady doesn't need to grind. You know who needs to grind? The kid that needs to learn the playbook. You know who needs to grind? The kid that was third string for two years in a row. All right, and he's 25, and he's coming up on the last year of his deal, and he needs to prove to the coach and the GM that he deserves to be on this roster because he needs to feed his family. And that's what mini camps are. That's especially these rookie mini camps. I mean, you, you got to see what these players have. So these rookie mini camps took place, and pretty much they all told the union to go, you know, go go eat it. However, sad story. Uh, the Denver Broncos left tackle was it uh, Jermaine jo- Jawan Jameson? Well, he tore his Achilles working out off-site. This happened uh, last week. Broncos cut him yesterday, and he was owed $10 million. And in your contract, it does say if you do get hurt by working out off facilities, you will not get paid. Now, he got a raw end of that deal because he talked to a union rep, and the union rep told him not to work out at the facility. So what's the kid going to do? The kid just was out all last year because of COVID and he opted out. He was out the year before because of an injury. He was a he was a second round draft pick. He was a, he is a left tackle. He's a highly rated. They, they gave him good money. They they weren't going to cut him after that because they said so you don't cut second round draft picks after three years. But 
Now this is his second injury. He's going to be out for the whole season. He got some bad advice. He got hurt. And unfortunately, the kid's not going to get a cent this year. Not a cent. And that's sad because this whole thing happened because you don't just want to go work out in shorts and a t-shirt and get paid. You do realize a lot of these veteran players get paid like $1,000 a day just to show up and work out and do what you're going to do anyway. So if I'm like, hey, so for you to go to work to what you do right now, if you show up tomorrow, I'm just going to give you an extra grand. Are you just going to be like, nah, fuck it. I'm good. I'm just going to, I'm not, I'm not going to show up. No, you get money to go work out with shorts and t-shirts and do things that you're already going to do anyway, offsite at your home personal gym, Aaron Rodgers. But these kids, you got to do that. So it's very sad. I saw that. I feel for the kid. I really, really, really hope that he's able to heal up and someone's able to get him another shot. But it's going to be hard for him, but we'll see what happens to him. But let's get into some rookie minicamp right now. A little talk about it on why I do think it's very important. Because when I think about rookie minicamps, and minicamps just in general, they, it, it, it kinda, I kind of treat them like a first date, right? So whoever you know you may be with right now, your significant other, whether it's a wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, you've had to start somewhere. You had to start with a first date. Whether you met her through a friend, whether you met her at a party, at work, uh, doesn't matter. But eventually you had to walk up to her and be like, hey, you want to go out? You want to grab some dinner? I'd love to take you out. You know, and you go on that first date because you have to have a first date. And first dates, it's a pretty big deal. I mean, pretty big deal. Sometimes the date is great and you can't wait to go on your next one. You know, you're, you're, you leave the date or throughout the whole date, you're like, this is great. This is amazing. You leave the date, you drop her off. And you just you just you're just excited, you know. You can't wait to go on this another date. This girl is way cooler than I thought. You know, our conversations were great. We have a lot in common. Amazing. But we've all been on that first date, that one first date, and it just was not going good. And you just wanted to hit the eject button as soon as you can. It's one of those where you're just looking around and going, "What the fuck am I doing here? How did I end up here with her? Or how did I end up here with him? She sucks. He sucks." Uh, can I run away? Is there a bathroom? Is there a window in the bathroom I can sneak out of? You know, look, some people are just not compatible and that's okay. And I think rookie mini camps are the same way. You know, you're just kind of praying when you ask this person you're attracted to that you're going to be compatible. So you're just kind of praying for this player that you drafted, that you were attracted to, that you're going to be compatible. All right. Now, look, you, you don't have to fall in love right away with with this player but you just need to be able to look at him on that first date on that minicamp and go can he play can he block can he run can he throw that out route is he able to come back on that curl route does he know what a cover two is can he play in the box and out of the box just basic things right he has the size he has the tools maybe the speed all the dimensions now can when when, when you see it on the field does it look smooth or does it, does it look a little chunky? You know, does it look a little like, is he chopping around? Does he not really know what he's doing? It's all you're looking for here. On a first date, that's all you're looking for. You're looking for, does this, does this person, do I think I'm compatible with this person? Do we have good conversations? So on and so forth. Because look, the moment that you're looking at this player and you go, oh shit, this does not look good. This is not what I thought this was going to be when I took him in the third round. This was not what I thought he was going to look around. Look, we took him 15 overall. Whoa, we took him 15 overall? Shit. Now, look, it's not the end of the world. Okay, players can develop, and sometimes guys need a little bit longer. 
you know, personalities are different. Sometimes development is different. Maturity is different. And a lot of times you get better in the league as you mature. But unlike dating, if you're looking around on that first date at that minicamp and you just go, shit, this guy just doesn't have it. In dating, after that first date, you could just never see that person again. You could just, you could just cut him. I'm cutting you. All right. Uh, hey, coach, coach told me to cut you. She's out or he's out. Yeah, well, you can't do that to a first, second, or third round draft pick. You're not cutting your first round draft pick because he doesn't look good in mini, mini camps. Because you just gave him anywhere between 36 to $22 million for a four, for four years. All right. You're, I mean, you're pretty much married to this guy. First rounders, you are married to first rounders for just about four years. Now, you can cut them after the second year if they're that bad, but you are going to take a little bit of a cap hit. <clears throat> you just you just want to feel good about them. You, you don't need to be in love with them. You just need to feel good. You need you just need you don't need to see Hall of Fame tendencies right away. You just need to see if they can play. Can they mentally have the capability to be in this league? You'll be able to it's going to take one or two practices. I look, I I can't tell you that for certainly because it's not like I'm out there, but everything that I've heard from former players, coaches, GMs, scouts it's one to two practices before you know if somebody can play or can't play. And that's crazy to think about, that it only just takes a few practices, especially for quarterbacks, linemen, and uh, skill position. It only takes a few practices to see, can this guy play? And that's all you're looking for. You know, you just want to be able to walk away from that day and be able to take a deep breath and be able to go, okay, whew, that's, that's kind of what I thought he would look like when we took him. We got a little bit of work to do. But that's that's what that, that's we're on the right track. He, he he's on the right track of where we wanted him to be. You know, you want to walk away saying, "I want to. I can't wait to go on that next date. Like I can't wait for my next practice with him." And I think we're gonna get better and better every day. Then now, and you you can look around at your second rounder, all right, and go, "Oh, I don't know." And then your fifth rounder is just having a great, great, great minicamp. Now, look, you don't get married after one fir- great first date, right? Just like you don't get married to this guy after one good practice. You know, you got to see what he can do. The, what what can this fifth rounder do? If you're looking at this fifth rounder and you go, man, this guy looks a lot better than I thought that he could. It doesn't mean he's going to be a star. doesn't mean he's going to be a starter for you. But you know that, hey, this guy I could be compatible with. It's a good first date. Let's keep, let's build off of this first date. I don't have to cut him because a fifth rounder, they could be cut. You're just looking to find chemistry in these rookie mini camps. That's all they're looking for. They're not looking for Hall of Famers right now. Because you're not gonna find one. I don't care if it's if it's from a big name number one overall pick like uh, Trevor Lawrence, or it's from a fourth round quarterback in Kellen Mond. It doesn't matter. They're just looking. They're looking for the same thing for both of those guys. And one is gonna be a starter, and one's gonna be a backup. But right now in mini camps, that's what they're looking for. They're just looking: Are we compatible? Do I like my first date? Did she order chicken or did she order the salmon? I have a thing with someone ordering salmon on a first date. You shouldn't order fish on a first date. That's just me. But that's all you're looking for here. We're not looking to be in love. We're not looking to get married. I'm just looking to see if he has the right tools. Does she have everything in her tool belt that can support me and what I want in a relationship, right? Does that quarterback, does that wide receiver, does that safety, does that linebacker, does that edge rusher have what I need in his tool belt? to be able to support my team at his position. That's all you're looking for. And that's why mini camps are just so important. Guys like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, they don't need that. But the rookies do. The second year, third year, fourth year, fifth year players that maybe haven't really had a shot yet, these guys need this stuff. They need to show their coaches 
what they still can do that, hey, you took me for a reason. Maybe our first date wasn't great, right? You're talking about like fifth rounder guys, like our five-year guys. Our first date was good enough to keep me, but it wasn't good enough. You know, I'm a side chick. They still need that that date, that practice to prove that they can be more than just the second or third stringer. Mini camps are very important. All off-season workouts are important. And you get paid to do them? That sounds like a win-win to me. All right, let's get into some uh, Urban Meyer and Jacksonville Jaguar talk. Uh, so Urban Meyer, uh, you know, he took Travis Etienne. And when he took him, you know, as a running back, Travis Etienne, running back from Clemson, he took him at the draft. He said, Travis is good, more than likely going to be our third string running back. And to me, that was just a little head scratching because you took him in the first round. So you're taking a running back in the first round. But then you're saying more like he's just going to be our third string running back. Not even letting the guy get a chance. I don't know. I just I didn't really like that when he said that. Now let's fast forward to this week, rookie mini camps. And this week, you know, after one of the practices, Urban said, came out media press conference, and he said, I don't view him as a running back, but more so a wide receiver. So he was only working out with the wide receivers during practice. His quote after practice was, worst case scenario, you have a running back that's elite with receiver skills. Cross-training players is fantastic. I will cross-train running backs for out routes, curl routes, go routes, uh, wide receivers to be able to take handoffs in the backfield like Debo Samuels, Brandon Ayuk does that. Cross-training is great, right? But there's a difference between cross-training and taking a player that has played a position for however long and at the highest level possible, saying he's going to play a different position. And look, look, if Travis Etienne was a third or fourth round draft pick, and he looked more as a project, so then you can, maybe then you can try to see, okay, well, maybe he'll fit here with this. We can kind of move him around and do certain things because he's a project. Because he was a third round or fourth round draft pick that we think have has very exceptional skills and elite athleticism for this league. However, you took him in the first round. You took him in the first round. You not only took him in the first round, you had you had two running backs on your roster already. You took a third down running back who's been a third down running back his entire career in the first round with your second pick of the first round while you already had a thousand yard rusher on your team and you just signed Carlos Hyde, the thousand yard rusher is James Robinson, undrafted free agent rookie last year that rushed for a thousand yards while you're taking a running a running back in the first round stupid i never would but that's okay james robinson thousand yards rusher carlos hyde a journeyman in this league definitely a workhorse a practice guy a locker room guy a guy that's going to come in and, pl- and run really hard not a bad running back at all but to have him change positions to have the guy a running back that you drafted in the first round come in and change positions i i'm just not sure if urban is handling the NFL well? And I think that's a fair question. I really do. I mean, is he a little over his head? Is he a little over his head right now? You know, does he belong to coach on this level? Things are just kind of dripping. Drip, 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 drip. And I just feel the faucet is going to explode. His first move as a, as a head coach, pretty much he run, pretty much he's the general manager. He runs the Jacksonville organization. He had to fire his strength coach, who was the first one he hired because of some just horrible accusations. And the guy is clearly not a great person. And he had to fire him literally within days of hiring the guy. Now he goes out and signs a 32-year-old former 
left-handed quarterback that could never really throw, right? Tebow's left-handed? I don't know. Doesn't matter. Can't throw. To play tight end. And and now you're taking the best skill player that you got, a running back. You took him in the first round, and you're going to say he's going to be a wide receiver and do a position he's never played? He never played wide receiver in college. Does he have wide receiver skills? Yeah, he has hands. Travis Etienne can catch the football. Travis Etienne can run routes. He reminds me of a very young David Johnson. David Johnson can line up as a running back and a wide receiver. But what was David Johnson in the depth chart? He was a fucking running back, not a wide receiver. It's it. I just is Urban Meyer over his skis here? He feels a little. He feels a little over his skis. And we're just getting drip after drip of of oh 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 ugly 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 ugly. And it just feels like it's getting worse and worse and worse. We have a history of college quarterbacks trying to make the transition to the NFL, and it's very, very hard transition. It is hard. Some guys have just failed and gone back to college and come back to the league. I mean, sometimes you realize, oh, shit, okay, yeah, maybe I can't do this right now. Maybe I got to go back to college and then come back. It, it, it happens. You have guys that just flat out fail because they just can't coach in, the, in this division, in this level, right? Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly just could not coach in the NFL. I mean, it's pretty clear he can't coach at all anymore. I don't know. He's just a complete scheme guy, and now that everybody pretty much runs what he does, he's not very special, and he doesn't he doesn't really add anything or bring anything. So I I, I think he won't be at UCLA long anymore. Hopefully, now that the Pac-12 will be better. But you know, it just kind of feels like it just kind of feels like it can it can be a disaster, and it can look like a disaster pretty quickly here for Urban Meyer and the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think Urban's a great coach. And Urban has won everywhere that he's been. I mean, Utah came in there, changed that program. Florida, national championship after national championship. Ohio State, national championship. Literally, I think he lost three games his entire career. Like, the dude wins. And I think he's going to bring in his culture. And that's going to work. And his leadership ability is going to translate. But that's not what I'm worried about. I'm worried about, does Urban Meyer know how to coach a game? When, when when you have to pay a certain amount, you, you have to stay under the cap to get these players. He, we already saw in free agency, he said he didn't like it. He said that he didn't like that he couldn't talk to the player before someone else can sign him. Urban, you're dealing with millions of dollars here for players. And you just, you want to sit down and have a conversation like you're fucking recruiting them with their mom and dad? This, this is, you're not talking to a 17 and 18 year old kid. You're trying to sign a 27-year-old, 250-pound linebacker that wants to run through your fucking house. What are, you, what are we doing? I, I mean, it just it, it feels real Chip Kelly-ish, does it not? It feels kind of clown showy-ish now. I, I, when Urban got the job, I was like, look, I think Urban could coach. I think, I think he's going to make some changes. But look what he's done. I, it's just, it's starting to just, it's starting to get a little scary, right? It start, if, and if I was Shad Khan... The owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, I mean, I don't know. I don't think I would like what's happening right now. How can you like him bringing in a 32-year-old former quarterback to play tight end? How can you like that? Is it just because it's going to bring you publicity? I mean, I guess any any publicity is good publicity, right? That's what they say. I just I just don't I, I don't I don't think he can. Because in Florida, guess what? He got all the best players. At Ohio State, guess what? He got all the best players. In the NFL, you're not going to have the best players, Urban. You have to pay these players, and you got to stay under the cap. you got to make trades. There's, there's, it's, 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 it's a different process. This is not college, okay? This is big boys. This is the NFL. Big boy only league. National no-fuck-around league. 
That's what it is. This is not college. All right. This isn't spring training at Ohio State, uh, spring practice at Ohio State game. And you can just go, yeah, we'll try this guy at a different position because it doesn't matter because we're in college at a spring practice. This is the NFL, Urban. I, I just, I don't think it's, I don't think it's out of the realm that Jacksonville goes one and sixteen. I don't think it's out of the realm that they go zero and seventeen this year. I think, like I said, I think his culture is going to work, but I think it's going to take time. It's going to take time to build that program to be good. I think their culture is going to be good right away, and I do think players are going to want to come play there. I just don't know if Urban has the the, uh, the eye for talent and, and development in the NFL because everything that he's done so far has said has said no has said, no, I don't know what I'm doing. But it's, I mean, look, Pete Carroll didn't know what he's doing when he first got there. I mean, look, look at big Bill, Bill Belichick's first couple years in Cleveland. I mean, did he turn that around by year four? You bet your ass he did. But I'm not trying to say Urban Meyer's Bill Belichick, but Urban Meyer's a great coach. Er, that, that's something I'm not going to sit here and not say that he's not a good coach. But just because he was a great coach in college doesn't mean he's going to be able to coach in the NFL. And everything that's happened and transpired so far... It just drip, 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 and I just feel like that sink is going to explode. You're not going to call the right plumber because I don't even know if you can pick the right plumber because you're having Tim Tebow be your tight end. I, I, I'm a little worried here about Urban Meyer and Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, it's a very interesting storyline. They got Trevor Lawrence. Am I going to watch their games? Yes, because if Tim Tebow makes the team, that's literally every Sunday what everybody's going to be talking about. Is Tim Tebow, how many catches is Tim Tebow going to get today? And after we go through week five and Tim Tebow has zero catches, What's going to be is, is Tim Tebow going to finally get his first catch today? Is Tim Tebow finally going to get his first catch today? So I guess that's something for you, especially if you're 0-5. As a Jags fan, you can you can root for the god that is Tim Tebow up there in Jacksonville. To just try to change positions for your first-round running back and say that we want him as a wide receiver, and if it doesn't work out, the worst-case scenario is that he's an elite running back and now knows how to play wide receiver in this league, so you're not going to have him take any snaps with the RBs with your quarterback so he can feel how to hand the ball off to him, even though he knows because Trevor Lawrence and Travis played together. Behind these new linemen, everything, really, I don't like it. I don't like where it's going. I, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens throughout the season, but as a Jacksonville Jaguars fan right now, I, I wouldn't be happy. Okay, I want to get into get into a little something that uh, Najee Harris said. <clears throat> Just talk about it briefly. Najee Harris said uh, something he was when he was in an interview over over many camps, um, and it made me laugh. It made me laugh really hard, and just made me think just a little bit. So Najee came out and he said <clears throat> he said that he has more free time now than he ever had at Alabama. And I, as soon as I saw that, like I said, I died laughing because I believe that that's. I believe it's really true. And I believe it's true because of how Nick Saban runs his program. And also you're in college, right? And you have homework and other stuff. But if you put all that other all that aside, the reason why Najee Harris thinks that he has more free time than he does uh, at now than he did at Alabama is because Najee Harris is mentally there. Najee Harris is is, is going to be a stud in this league. He's going to work. I, I, I would put a lot of money that he won't bust because he's there mentally. And I think a lot of guys that bust just don't have it upstairs. They do not have it upstairs. They think that they make the league and then they're done. Or, you know, you got your money and hey, it's going to be smooth sailing from here. It's it's not. It's not. Najee Harris was going to work his ass off. He went to the right team to do it in the Steelers. He went to the right coach in uh, Tomlin, who's getting very disrespected right now. And uh, I think I'm going to save that, that that disrespect that Mike Tomlin's getting uh, for next week. But Najee, he's not, he's not wrong. Because one, now he has money. 
Two, he has these mini he's mini camps, but he's also doing virtual meetings every day. It's not like it's, oh, yeah, he's only saying that because it's early offseason. When you're a rookie, when you're a rookie and you get drafted, the next – literally, if you're a first-rounder, that night usually or the next day, they fly you out to wherever they're uh, – wherever you got drafted to. They'll show you around the stadiums, this and that. And then you sign your deal and you start practicing within two weeks. Uh, you got to get up and move. So if you if you played at USC – in the Pittsburgh Steelers draft you, you are moving from Southern California to the Steel City. And you got to do that within two weeks. All right. And you got to be at rookie mini camps. You got to go through the, now they're doing all these Zoom calls, stuff like that. It used to be a lot. I mean, COVID has actually given them a little more relief time because before they come in and sign their deal <clears throat> and they have these camps, they do a lot of, they get the playbook sent to them. They, uh, they do a lot of Zoom meetings and stuff like that. They stay they stay engaged. It's not like he's not doing anything half the time. He's just saying, Alabama, I had less free time because Alabama, that's just how their program is run. But he already knows, just like Tua said last offseason, how he thought the NFL was going to be harder. And I think a lot of people took that the wrong way. But Alabama is setting up these players to succeed. Ohio State is setting up these players to succeed. Clemson. You know, the top-notch programs, they're setting these players up to succeed in the NFL because a lot of these players are becoming an NFL-style, you know, I think Nick Saban kind of ran the way of of a, of a university, you know. And I, th- I thought it was really funny because I don't think everybody thinks that way. I think your Jamarcus Russells and your Trent Richardsons, I don't think that they thought they had more free time. You know, I can't be certain, but I mean... I don't, maybe he maybe they did think they had more free time because Jamarcus Russell was eating Doritos and pizza every day and showed up 500 pounds to to training camp in his third his second year. It's insane, but it made me laugh. It made me laugh because Najee Harris. I think he just gets it, and and I think some people are gonna take that the wrong way, just like they took the Tua thing last year the wrong way. Now the Tua thing I think is a little more. You know, he comes out and says, "Oh, I thought it was gonna be a lot harder," and then you know he came out and played the way he did. I think people. You know, they, they look at him a little differently now. Najee's coming out and saying, I, I, got, I got more free time now, which is true. Partly because of school, but also partly because, man, this man has gotten paid. I think he has the right mindset to come into the league because it's, his mindset is the same as it was in Bama. And it's it's an easier transition, especially especially playing for a team like Steelers, right? This is a no-bullshit type of uh, organization, but Mike Tomlin's not going to baby you. Mike Tomlin expects you to be an adult. Mike Tomlin expects you to come into these meetings. Mike Tomlin expects you to be on time every day. If you're 15 minutes early, if you're 15 minutes early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. I think Najee gets it. And I think a lot of players think this way that come from a lot of these bigger schools. I think, you know, players that come from the smaller schools, not so much. But, you know, Najee just saying, hey, I got more free time. I can play more video games. I think that's awesome because he worked his ass off to get where he's at. I think him saying that is not a I can slack off now type of comment, which I do think some people are taking. I think it's a I have more free time to be who I am and be a better person because I I just I'm better player, better person, better everything. Alabama set me up the right way. The Steelers are gonna continue to set me up. I have the right mindset. I can have my free time. I can have my family time. I can use my money to to do the things that I want to do. I, I really like it. And I think a lot of people are taking it the wrong way. I I just don't that's it's not and I know plenty of people that are, you know, I've heard a lot of people, uh, a couple of my podcasts, you know, my guys, uh, DJ and Bucky, they, they, they said the same, they're saying the same thing, you know, right around the same lines. 
you know, and they, they thought it was funny too. So it is a little funny that a, a, a you know a rookie can come out and say something like that, and that's that shows a little confidence in me too. So uh, I expect Najee Harris to probably be a thousand yard rusher this year. I think the Steelers are going to be higher than they are. Steelers are getting disrespected. Like I said, Mike Tomlin's disrespected. If I wasn't at 45 minutes already in this podcast, I think my voice is slowly going. I think throughout this, when you guys listen to it, it starts off bad. It gets a little good. Now it's getting worse again. I'm going to go into the Steelers and Mike Tomlin next next, uh, next week. But I really like those comments from Najee. It, it makes me, if I was his coach, his GM, I would look at that and I, I would be, I'd be happy about that because look, at the end of the day, you're an adult and you, you're going to start your family. You have the money. It is a job. You still need your free time. You still need this. You still need that. But you're going to come in and work your ass off. And that's what Najee Harris is going to do. He's going to come in and work his ass off. And it's a little nugget that I that I thought was interesting and it made me think because Najee does have the right mindset. And I, I think a lot of people come in without that mindset. They don't have it mentally upstairs. And that's why you bust. Because maybe you think you have too much free time or you don't have enough free time. It just it kind of got me thinking. It got my head thinking about players that bust, and I just thought it was a kind of cool little nugget there. So I'm gonna end it on that. I hope you guys had a great week. Uh, I powered through it. My voice is killing me right now, but I'll be better by by Tuesday. I'll get on a new pod. Have a great weekend, everybody. Uh, PGA this week. Uh, Jordan Speed thinks it's gonna be pretty good. Roy's playing good. Phil Mickelson I saw today uh, two under. So if you if you like to gamble, mybookie.ag, use the promo code HAM. It'll get you 20% off of your first uh, deposit up to $500. And uh, well, not 20% off. I'm sorry, it's another promo. I apologize. It's not 20% off. They'll match your deposit 50% from what you put in up to $500. So if you put in $200, they'll match that 50% and give you another hundred bucks. So if you like to gamble, go get, go get a little gambling. You know, hey, at your own risk. I got a little money on some golf. I got a little money on Jordan. You know, Jordan's my guy. Sprinkle it on. DeChambeau, this course kind of fits him really well. I got a couple underdogs. Max Homa. I like Max Homa top 10 this week. So go out, watch a little golf, little majors. I hope you guys all have a great weekend. I will talk to you next week. Have a good one. Godspeed. Peace.